Will you turn with me to the scriptures, please? To the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And my reading is from verse 13 unto the end of the chapter. Hebrews 6, reading from verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after that, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, that which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Here in the book of Hebrews, I found strength this week by reading this portion of scripture. From verse 13 to verse 20 is our reading, but really my text this morning is in verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. We have an anchor of the soul. And that text jumped at me. And that text spoke to me, and as I read over it and prayed over it and thought about it, meditated on it, I looked at the surrounding verses, which was our reading this morning. I felt to bring it to open up those few verses this morning to try and help God's people. You know, especially in the day and hour which we live in, especially what's going on all around us. And we hear about it day in and day out. Hour in and hour out. It's on people's minds whether they go shopping. It's in front of us whether it's people trying to stay two meters apart or people stopping to let others pass them or maybe walking onto a road where there's a small footpath Face masks on, face masks off. It's in our faces every single day. And we cannot miss it. It's on our news. It's on the social media. People talk about it continuously. 
And many people are going through other strifes and other worries and have other problems. And I can tell you today, friends, that you're not on your own. Brother and sister, you're not on your own this morning. For Christ is with you. He is, if you know the Lord Jesus, He is the anchor. We have an anchor of the soul this morning. I want to open up some of these verses. And I thought of the, the hymn writer Priscilla Jane Owen when she wrote that wonderful hymn. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And that anchor is in heaven this morning. And that anchor has grounded us in the faith. And that anchor through the storms of life will never cause us to be allowed to be moved so far that we're lost. Will never allow us to be removed from our haven, which is God's heaven. That anchor will keep us no matter what is going on in the world today. That anchor is sure and steadfast, unmovable. And that anchor, we are attached to it with the chain or if we want, with the cables that the hymn writer has written about. When the cables strain, will your anchor hold or firm remain? And the cables may strain in your life. And such things happen in our lives outside of all that's going on. The trials, the troubles, the tribulations, the testings, and all the things that happen to us every day. The cables are strained. But nevertheless, no matter the swell of the troubled sea that we are living in, the troubled sea of our own personal lives, the troubled sea that comes into our own personal being, the troubled sea in our own personal home life and family life, no matter the swell of the sea, we have an anchor of the soul. And the cable may strain at times. Now we may even say, will this cable break? The cable of the faith in Christ. We may find it weakening. We may find it as though decreasing. But nevertheless, the cable may strain. But the anchor holds and will firm remain. I want to try for a few minutes this morning to strengthen you in the Word of God, to strengthen your faith in Christ if you have found yourself that you're struggling, that you're straining, and that your strength is waning. First of all, look at verse 13 of our reading as we build a case coming up to verse 19. Verse 13, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. 
he swear by himself. Brothers and sisters, I must bring you to Genesis 22, and time does not allow us to read all of this, but in Genesis 22, it's the chapter when God tells Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loves, whom I lovest, God says, and offer him up for a burnt sacrifice unto me. Now Abraham was to take Isaac, and there Abraham was to build an altar, and there Abraham was to lay his son on the altar, and there he was to thrust a knife into the heart, as it were, of, of Isaac. And Isaac was to be a sacrifice. God testing, do you trust me, Abraham? Do you trust me for Isaac? And do you trust me for his life? Not only was he to put the knife in, but he was to then to take his son, his only son of promise. And Isaac shall thy seed be called, the Lord said. Now if Isaac was to die, then Isaac would have no seed, which means God's promise would not have come to pass. And God's word would not have been true. But yet Abraham was to have faith that God would not only take Isaac as a dead person, but as burnt to ashes and resurrect him again. Now that's faith. And there's times in our lives when we think, God, this is too hard. This is too much. This is too difficult. Listen, this is impossible. And we find ourselves at the cables strain. We find ourselves that our hearts are winning. And we find ourselves in troubled waters. But here Abraham took his son, Isaac, in whom his seed would be called. And Abraham took him up the mount to sacrifice his son, his only son, whom he loved. And as they went up one side, as it were, of the mountain, Isaac asked his father, Father, here is the fire and here is the wood. Well, where is the sacrifice? Now listen, God, Abraham says, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. In other words, God not would provide for himself a sacrifice, but God would provide himself a sacrifice. There, coming up the other side of the mountain, was the promise to be fulfilled, was the provision to be made. When Abraham and Isaac could not see the provision, they went according to the word of God, they trusted in the call of God and they believed God that he would make the provision that all things would come to pass as God had said that Isaac, if Abraham must thrust in the knife, if Abraham must burn him to dust and ashes, that God would raise him from the dead and God would do the impossible. That was impossible to Abraham. But there God had made provision as they were going up one side of the mountain. 
there was a ram coming up the other side. And of course, its, its horns were caught in the thicket of a bush. And God had provided a substitute sacrifice. Now why am I telling you all of this? Because in that chapter, it is mentioned again in Hebrews 6. That is that which the Hebrew writer is speaking about. Speaking about that Abraham and Isaac is a type of the father and the son. Our father in heaven and his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our father in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ and his willingness to give his son. And God would provide himself for Christ is God and God is in the Son and the Son is in the Father and there the blood sacrifice and substitute speaks of Calvary friend God has provided through the giving of the person of the Son of God has provided the sacrifice has provided the means and the method by which a man and a woman must be and can only be saved. It is impossible for us to be saved without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in Hebrews 6 and verse 13, the promise made to Abraham was that in Isaac his seed would be called. Abraham's faith was sorely tried and tested, but nevertheless Abraham obeyed the word of the Lord and knew that God could not lie and he trusted in him. God, seeing the faith of Abraham, then he made a covenant with Abraham and there it was a covenant of blood and at that covenant of blood there we're told that God looked around to swear to make a covenant oath. And he looked even at Abraham and knew he was only a man. And he could swear by no greater. God swear by himself. In other words, Christian, brother, sister, believer. In other words, God, when he swears by himself, he can do nothing else but keep his own word and his covenant promises to all of those to whom he has made the covenant with. Abraham's seed would be multitudinous in the earth and we're told that God has kept and we know he has kept his promise. God could swear by no greater. He swore by himself. God's character would be at stake. God's holiness would be in jeopardy if God could lie. But he's God which cannot lie. Notice his promise was in verse 14 saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after that he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Notice this, verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater, 
and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of strife. Now I want you to catch this to try and encourage you. We're going to open up the next two or three verses for a few moments just to try and build you up if you're struggling today in your faith. First of all, in verse 16, a covenant or a confirmation is an end of all strife. Do you know that every man and that every woman are an enemy of God outside of Christ? Do you know that there is this wonderful and this glorious covenant of blood? His blood, the blood of Christ, is the blood of the everlasting covenant. And those outside of Christ and unsaved are at enmity with God. They are enemies of God. And do you know that the only way the end of all strife can happen is when a man and a woman come into covenant relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I note this, verse 17, wherein God more willingly, abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. Now if you're in Christ, you are an heir of promise. First of all, we're Abraham's seed. Then we are Christ's and we are the heirs of promise. Now notice this. It says, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. See that word immutability? It's a big long word. In the Greek text. But you know simply what it means? It means God is not a turncoat. We know in politics, United States, we know in the UK, Northern Ireland, we know what it's like. We have the term, it's not just here, but other places, the term. He or she is a turncoat. You know, it's believed that in the 1500s there was a man who went to fight. He was a duke. And he went to fight in France and he had a coat made of white in the outside and blue in the inside. And when the enemy came and he thought that he was going to be overrun and while his soldiers were dying, he took off his coat and turned it inside out because that was the side of the enemy. Turncoat. The idea is God's immutable counsel is this. That in glory, before there was a sinner on the earth in Adam, there was a Savior in heaven in Christ. And God said that he would give his son those whom he had elect. And he promised that he would never be a turncoat unto those whom his son has shed his blood for and those who have come in to covenant promise with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can believe God for his word. 
you can believe your heavenly Father that he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. His immutable counsel is this, that he gave his son that you and I would be saved and sealed and secure in our salvation, especially in days like this. But note, the immutability of his counsel means God is not a turncoat. Notice this. Confirmed it. He confirmed it by an oath. Now the term here, confirmed, is a word that simply means or gives the idea of someone or something to interpose. Interpose. Here he has the immutable counsel. Here now he sends his son and gives him for us. His son comes to die for us. And it gives the idea there's something interposing between God and his own. Those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the word is the word mesitio. And it's a, a word that also comes from a word mesitas, where we would get the idea of a mediator. A mediator. You know, I, I couldn't help but think of how Christ is our mediator. The Son of God is the mediator. And we're told that God is one. And yet we're told that Christ is the mediator. If you'll turn with me briefly to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 20, please. Galatians chapter 3 and turn to verse 20. Notice what the apostle tells us. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one. But God is one. In other words, a mediator is between two parties or two people. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Notice, in other words, if we could be sealed by keeping the law of God, then Christ need not have died, and we need not have a mediator. Notice what it says in verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Notice the promise by faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters who are believing by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, then that promise is yours today. The promise of forgiveness of sin. The promise of the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. The promise of the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God. The promise of eternal security. All bought by Christ and kept in His love. The promise that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Notice this then. It is the word to mediate in our reading in Hebrews 6 and in 
verse 17. Pardon me. Yes, verse 17, confirmed by an oath. The word oath here is a strange word because it simply means to fence in. We have a field. We put sheep in a field. We might put a fence around it to fence them in. To fence them in. It gives the idea of a sacred restraint. A sacred restraint. In other words, God has made an oath with you, Christian, with you, believer. God has made an oath, a covenant promise in the person of his Son, through his Son, and only in his Son. And he's made it with us that no matter what happens in the world, no matter who is in government, no matter what king or prince or whoever takes rule in our nation, the covenant promises this, that you are in Christ and Christ is a new believer. And the covenant promise is in this, that God in the immutable counsel of God, he is not a turncoat to let you down, nor change sides, nor swap over midstream. But rather he is sure and steadfast for you. The covenant oath and promise of God is this also. That he, as it were, has even made it so secure. That he has fenced you in. The sheep of his pasture. He has fenced us in. With his eternal promise. With his eternal word. And it will never change. For it is forever settled in heaven. Take courage today Christian. Take strength in this. That your God. Your Savior. Will never. Never. Leave you. Nor forsake you. Nor let you down. Now we're building up to the anchor of the soul. Notice here, this term in verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. The Hebrew writer tells us here that those who realize of these immutable, these immutable things, these promises of God for you, Christian, today. There's many Christians I, I, I speak to who they don't come to our church, they contact me, I, I speak to them on a regular basis, and many have waned this whole lockdown, lock-up situation, many have waned and maybe God is starting to use things to sift out those who are truly His. Maybe God is also showing you the vanity of this world because Many believers 
have loved the things of this world. Trusted in the things of this world. Listen, brother. Listen, sister. We are hearing all the time the new saviour on the block. The new saviour in our land and our nation is a vaccine. Or the new saviour in political realms will be such and such a president or such and such a politician or whoever or whatever else, friend. I can tell you, there's no new saviour. There's one saviour. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only saviour. There's new messiahs springing up in different church assemblies. New messiahs and are flocking around every word they're saying. Friend, there's only one messiah. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's he who is your anchor. Not the vain repetitions of man. But Christ and Christ alone. Note here and take note. A strong consolation is to the people of God this morning. Strong consolation. I have a strong consolation. This week when there were so many things happening and it was just continuous. I had a a funeral to take of someone in Belfast and it was just, there was different things were happening. It was continuous and the news is so depressing People are getting so concerned. Bad news after bad news. And oh well if this vaccine doesn't work. We have another strain of a coronavirus. After another strain. After another strain. And then they're wondering why should we take a vaccine or not take it. And everybody is in turmoil. Men's hearts are feeling them for fear. Of the things that are coming on the earth. My head's spinning. And all I could think of was, will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tide lifts? Oh, friend, it was singing it all week on the cable strain. Will your anchor hold, can and firm remain? Arguing over stupid, theological, nonsensical issues. Friend, I can tell you, when I was singing it, started reading the word, I had a strong consolation of God that no matter the strife, no matter the stress, no matter the strain, no matter the consternation, God is still in charge. He is still sovereign and always will be. And he has never relinquished his authority in the earth. And I started to read the word of God and gathered a strong consolation from the word unchangeable. Friend, notice, we have fled for refuge. I haven't time to do this, but it talks about a city of refuge in the Old Testament. 
gives the idea of one fleeing into the city for refuge. And we have all fled who are in Christ. Run to him. There's many hide from him. There's many give up on him. Oh friend, run to him. Run to Christ. Run into him. For he's our refuge. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. In a word without hope. A word without hope. We have a hope. And it's a hope that maketh not ashamed. Tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. And experience hope. And a hope that maketh not ashamed, said the Apostle. And that's our hope in Christ this morning. Don't despair, Christian. Don't win. Don't fret. Don't be afraid and don't give up and don't give in. But rather run to our city of refuge. Run into Christ. Lay hold on the hope that is set before us. Listen. The word of God tells us. And I'm closing soon in a few moments. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. For we sorrow not. Even as others which have no hope. We sorrow not even as others which have no hope. You know, when we lose a loved one, we sorrow terribly. We're Christians. Oh, we shouldn't sorrow. That's nonsense. We're humans. It's part of the grieving process. It's part of the being able to get through the, the circumstances, the grieving, the loss. Much grieving shows at times the, the love that was there. But we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. There's a world that has no hope. There's many that are dying without Christ. There's many that are dying without hope. And the people that are left behind, even though they're in their sorrow and their mourning, they have it in their mind. Well, Uncle so-and-so and Brother Bob and Auntie Jean or whoever and whatever else, well, you know, they're, they must be looking down on us and looking after us, friend. That's not true. It's only those who are in Christ. Died in Christ. Knowing Christ. Loving Christ. Saved and in Christ. It gives us the hope. The hope that will not make us ashamed that we will see them again. There's a world without hope. But we have a strong consolation and hope. Notice here. It says in verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Our hope is Christ. Now, there are two things just briefly to look at this. First of all, first and foremost, this gives the idea, gives the view 
from the Hebrew writer that the hope was a high priest who walked into the holy place, the most holy in the, the tabernacle in the wilderness, in the temple in Jerusalem. And when he walked into the holy of holies, there he walked in with the blood, the breastplate of judgment with the stones on it, with the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, Abraham's seed on it. And there was the sinner. Here is the judgment. Here is the pronunciation. Those under condemnation and sin. And there was the ark of the covenant. With the angels. The, the cherubim's wings touching on the lid of the covenant. Which was made out of wood covered in gold. And there as they touch wings. Here is the sinner. Here is the condemnation. Here the priest goes and he ministers and puts blood on the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. This is the idea. Israel were standing outside waiting to see the high priest come out again to pronounce that atonement had been made. The Hebrew writer is saying they were coming from a, a Judaistic and a a Jewish religion background and they had made profession in Christ and they were looking through trial and they were coming into trouble and they were coming into terrible testing and they had made profession in Christ and so the Hebrew writer is writing to say don't give up in this don't go back to there and that's the idea of this he says because we have a hope not a man as a high priest here is the priest here is the mercy seat. Here is the blood. And the only thing when the glory of God came down that stopped the priest from being consumed and Israel being damned was the blood and the mercy of God. And here he pictures us. Those of us who are trusting in our anchor. Our anchor is not in the depths of the sea, but our anchor has ascended into glory. And the cable strains the faith between us and our anchor, but it's firmly gripped. It's sure and steadfast. And Christ will hold us fast. He will not allow us to be lost. He will not allow us to go far from the fold. Oh, the swell may happen. The wheels may crash. Here we have the sea is our life. And you know, in a calm sea, we can see the anchor on the, <clears throat> on the ship easy. Easily. But in the rough times, it must be dropped down into the depths. And there they're trusting hoping the anchor will hold. And in your life, friend, brother, sister, in your life, our anchor is not in the depths of the sea, and sometimes we can't understand nor see him, especially in our calm waters and good times of life. But we can tell you, our anchor is in heaven. He's our great high priest. For verse 20 of the reading says, Hebrews 6 and verse 20. Whether the forerunner 
is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, here is an unchangeable priesthood. The Aaronic Levitical priesthood in the temple is done away with now. It's finished. It's done. It's done and dusted. It's over and gone. But the priesthood of Christ will never change. The anchor will hold in the storms of life. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the bellows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. It's grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Understand, He loves you this morning. That you're His and He is yours. And may God bless you. May God strengthen you. And may God enable you to trust in the anchor. He's praying for us. The great high priest in glory. And brothers and sisters, he's coming again soon. Do you know him? Are you saved? Maybe someone here this morning, you're not saved. Maybe someone here, you're not right with God. Maybe you're a backslider. You've walked away from God. You see, he's coming soon. Be ready. If you want to speak to us, we're here this morning. I know this has been to mainly God's people, but we're here this morning. Here to help you, point you to the Savior. May God bless his word to us this morning.